from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Anyone that has properties or knows of something that may be interested, that they can sign the property up to let us know that this is available and that we can contact the landlord. It was difficult to me to go out to learn the language because I'm taking care of my kids. So, um, yeah, this that was the amazing way to learn the English. <laughs> As you think about Afghan refugees coming over here, um, what would you like people to, to keep in mind? I'm Sarah Fenske. For decades, the International Institute has welcomed refugees to St. Louis. The federal government tasks the agency with resettling refugees, providing housing and money for food and other basic needs for up to 90 days after arrival. Welcome Neighbor STL is more interested in what happens after those 90 days. It wants to help refugees find their place here and find true community. It's been working towards that since 2016, and joining us today to talk about that work is the organization's founder, Jessica Bueller. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much for having us today. So, Jessica, Welcome Neighbor started modestly with a toiletry drive. And I understand that drive was inspired by a newspaper story you'd read. What was that about? Yeah, so in November of 2016, I read an article in the Riverfront Times about a group of Syrian refugee teenage boys that had been attacked. And it was just a mile away from the Del Mar Loop area. And that was where I was every day. And I was reading this paper and thinking about... What other people are reading this right now and going, oh, my God, this is terrible that this group of teenage boys were attacked and sent to the hospital. And then I pictured everybody else around St. Louis just turning the page to the next page. And for some reason, that image stuck with me all night. Mm -hmm. And so the next morning, I picked up the phone of owner of a Syrian restaurant in the Loop called Bernouche. So I called my friend Abood and I told him about this article I read and asked him if he knew anything about the Syrian refugees that needed assistance. And he said, yes, there was a lot of things that these folks needed. So we put a post out on Nextdoor to ask people to bring toiletry items. So a lot of the things that we take for granted every day, such as our bathroom routines, things as lotion, soap, um, you know, our, our normal skincare routines, these people didn't have these items. So we put a post out on next door and the St. Louis community responded. Mm. We were so overwhelmed with donations that it ended up starting accidentally an organization which is now called Welcome Neighbor STL. I love that. So this all just kind of started with a post on Nextdoor. And, and we should mention before we talk more about this organization, you kind of knew how to tailor this kind of message. I mean, your your day job is in marketing. Yes. So I own a social media marketing company. It's called Fusion Media Concepts. And so I work with a lot of small businesses in St. Louis to help them get their businesses off the ground and to get their messages out there. So when I saw this vulnerable group of people that need help, I knew that I had the platform to get the word out there. And so when I thought about it, I thought, you know, I could sit at home and just Netflix and chill, or I could spend a couple hours an evening and help change people's lives. And that's what we've started doing. And now it's become contagious where other people are helping other refugees. And we now have over 3,000 supporters with Welcome Neighbor STL in St. Louis. So it's just been an amazing experience getting to know other St. Louisans and helping refugees establish roots here in St. Louis. So thinking about this toiletry drive, you know, this came out of you had a, a contact who knew what people needed and was able to get you started on that. 
that. At what point did you find yourself actually then meeting a refugee for the first time? So when we collected all the items for the Thanksgiving donation drive in 2016, we loaded up two trucks full of boxes. And I thought that the organizers were going to take it over to Hodemont of where all these folks were at. And they said, no, get in the car. You're coming with us. So I got in the car. I had no idea what to expect. We drove over there. And that's when I met the very first Syrian refugee family. And I thought that I would go in and meet a couple of the different families. But you know what? I never even got out of that first apartment. I sat in there for three hours, drinking coffee, eating Syrian food, hearing their stories. And I was just so mesmerized by these people and hearing about the things that they had been through that when it was time to go and I hadn't even made out of the first apartment, I thought I need to come back here and see these people again. And so three days later, I came back and met another family and it just exploded from there. It's such a cool story. And we're actually joined today by one of the refugees that you began working with through this whole process. And that is um, uh, Mauda Altayun. She came to the U.S. from Syria in 2016. So Mauda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. So when Jessica sort of pops into this apartment complex where so many Syrian refugees were living there in, in Hodemont in North St. Louis, um, what did you think? I mean, you see this woman coming in and she's yep. delivering toiletries. Did you have any sense this would end up becoming an important person in your life? No, I I lived in Hodemont seven months and then I um, moved to New, Flu- New Fluorescent. Uh, I met Jessica in a New Fluorescent actually. Um, when I heard about her, I just heard very good things that she is helping the refugees. Um, she is becoming friends with them, um, like as a member uh, of their family. So I sent, I wasn't speak any English word actually. I tried uh, to use the Google Translate to tr- translate some messages for her and I sent her some messages to ask her to like help me with the, to, to learn English, to learn driving. Yeah, so she came to my home. She invited her friends uh, to my home. She became my my close friend, and she helped me a lot. Like um, she she helped me a lot with uh, with my with my life. Like in my life, she's like. She helped me and supported me to start my business, um, which is... uh, You ended up starting a catering business. Yes. I started with Welcome Neighbor um, doing uh, super club events. It was such amazing uh, things I did all my life because um, through these events, I met like American people. I have friends, new friends. I like learned the the language through it. this way and yeah it was so fun um, it, like plus that I have business helping my my family yeah so it was so fun <laughs> can so, you believe that she couldn't speak English when she came here like, I mean this is amazing this was what uh, four years ago or three years ago five years over, five years a little ago. bit over five so I'm years bad at math but <laughs> I mean your English today is so good Thank you so much and you say that's in part through the work of these supper clubs yes. that you got involved with Jessica tell us how these supper clubs ended up coming out of this whole welcome neighbor idea so the very first supper club we ever had was actually with Mauda at my house and we put a post out on Facebook and we invited people to come over to my home and to try some traditional Syrian food 
from recipes that Mauda had learned from her mother, from her grandmother, and from her mother-in-law. And and uh, did you know at this point that Mauda was just a really good cook? Was that part of the inspiration for this? Well, we knew that when we had met with many of the different families that they had amazing Syrian food. But at this point in time, I really didn't know very much about Middle Eastern food. Um, I wouldn't say, now I'd say I'm pretty close to a pro. <laughs> And we make a lot of food together. We try a lot of food. We go to different restaurants. We we like to raid everybody's food together. Nice. Uh, but at the very beginning, no, we really didn't know. And um, this really became something that Mauda and I developed together over time. The first event, there was maybe 14 or 16 people that came. And this it was, was in your house? In my house. It was just in my backyard. This was pre-COVID. Sure. Um, and so then um, one, of the fo- one of the couples that came to the event at my house um, Great friends of ours, uh, Debbie Weiser and Tom, they came over and they said, this is amazing. We want to have the second one at our home. So then we set up the second event at their home. And then from word of mouth, it just exploded. And so to date, we have hosted 142 supper club events and we have raised 272 thousand dollars 90 percent of that money goes to the refugee women that cook the meals and 10 percent of it goes back to welcome neighbor to continue the programming that's so cool and so people are coming to these and and you charge them in order to come so that doesn't just pay for the materials it also pays the cooks absolutely it's 25 dollars per plate Uh, we have six different events that are up on our website right now if anyone's interested you can go to welcomeneighborstl.com and you'll see a full list of supper club events our next one coming up is kurdish food Mm-hmm. So if you've never tried Kurdish food, definitely give that a try. And then we have an Assyrian event coming up, and we also have an Indian and a Dubai event coming up. So, Mauda, you mentioned you have now opened a catering company. Was that in part because of the confidence you gained um, from cooking for these supper club events? Yes, yes. I opened my own uh, business uh, catering company with my husband, which is um, Damascus Food LLC. It's uh, catering for events, par parties uh, birthdays uh, even now with uh, with covid um, because there is not any parties and big events uh, so we do uh, small orders for family friends yeah and so that you, you kind of got started in that because you realized because of co- you have the talent yes, yes because of welcome neighbor and especially jessica with her support and her help with us uh, yeah we get uh, serve safe um, food certificates. Um, we, we participated in many festivals, uh, like uh, Festival of Nation, uh, some of the um, Arabic community festivals. Yeah, we did a lot. <laughs> it seems like a huge success story to have a, a catering company, a successful catering company come out of these. But I imagine even for the people who haven't ended up opening a company, that this has been a, a nice source of income. Oh, it's, this has been a fantastic source of income because a lot of times the women that came from these countries had never worked before. And so... What is it that you can do when you come to a new country, you don't know the language, you've never driven before, and maybe a lot of the skill sets do not necessarily translate. And so when we realized that the food was so incredibly amazing, I mean, what brings people together more than food? I mean, when you break bread together, you bring people together. And it's such a great catalyst of that when you bring people around a table that don't even know each other, and you try different food from a different country and start to hear somebody's story, you start to connect with that and you start to peel back the layers of the onion of what different people go through and you start to find commonalities. And it all just starts by sharing a plate of food together. And Mauda, you've said these events have really helped your English just from talking to the people who show up. Yes, 
of course, because also because I I had many uh, fr- like friends they attend my 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 events and they become my friends. So they they helping me a lot to learn new language, like to help the English well. Uh, yeah, so I'm so happy with that. Uh, especially when I came to here, I have. Um, Three kids, three young kids, and I have another one is coming soon. Oh, so, congratulations. Thank you so much. So it was difficult to me to go out to learn the language because I'm taking care of my kids. So, um, yeah, th- this that was the amazing way to learn the English. <laughs> Jessica, I'm thinking about you initially reading that story in the Riverfront Times, and you're right. So many of us had that same reaction. We read it. We felt bad about the situation. We did nothing. Um, the refugee community that you got to know at that time, it feels like maybe it was more isolated than it is today, in part because of these dinners. These have these have helped people um, meet St. Louisans who've been living here for much longer. Absolutely. Well, one of the things, too, is when a lot of the Syrian refugees were coming in, they were placed at an apartment complex called Hodamont. And so a lot of the people were all together at this area. So we started a GoFundMe uh, fundraiser. We raised $20,000 to move 20 of the families out of the Hodemont area. So as we did those fundraisers and as we found the furniture, the household items, the clothing, and to get the kids to um, from start, we have an amazing group of teenagers. It's uh, St. Louis Teens Aid Refugees Today. And they help us with moving furniture for these refugee families. Sometimes we could have as many as uh, 12 moves within a month or two. And so having a lot of those different volunteers that came out and would meet the people firsthand, this is what helped them to establish roots in the community so that they actually felt as though they were a part of the community. I think that is amazing that the International Institute helps people for the first three months. But on day 91, that's really when the rest of your lives begin. So Mm -hmm. that's where Welcome Neighbor jumps in with family partnering and seeing what we can do to help uh, doing virtual tutoring, meeting with the families, and, um, you know, finding out individually what are your goals? What are the things that we can do to help you? And then with our volunteers, we do a really in-depth analysis to find out where do you want to help? What time do you have? In what area of the city do you live? And then we go ahead and partner the people to make sure that it's uh, that it's a meaningful partnership where um, maybe say someone who's a retired teacher uh, might be able to provide tutoring for someone with special needs or someone who's a retired nurse may be able to help someone with health issues. So it's not really any kind of arbitrary partnering. We look v- and to make sure that the people that we put together are going to be the best partners possible. Hmm. You do a really careful match there. And then people have that kind of that primary relationship, almost like an adopt-a-family, like there's that one person who's there to to be their liaison to the rest of St. Louis. Exactly. And a lot of times we even have four or five American families that will be partnered with each refugee family. Mm -hmm. And so that creates this amazing support system so that anytime that there's questions about insurance or, um, you know, anything about taxes or just everyday questions that we have that we may take for granted that you have somebody that you can ask. Mauda, I imagine that's huge. I mean, anytime you're coming to a new culture, there's just so many little things you don't know. You just kind of feel helpless. Looking back to when you first arrived in St. Louis, do you wish you'd had that kind of family there for you assigned to help you? Yeah. So in in here, like with the the events, what I liked... um, like because when I serve my food, it's not just uh, catering to serve my food. It's um, to share like my my culture and to like take like to learn little about the American culture. So it was so fun like to 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 make people 
get together in the same table, share the food, uh, enjoy the food, and uh, like hear my story, learn some of my traditional and culture, and me too, like I am learning from them also. We're talking today about the work of Welcome Neighbor STL, and our guest today is Mauda Altayan. She's a Syrian refugee who came to the U.S. in 2016. She now owns her own catering company. Want to give that a plug? Damascus Food STL, if you're interested in great Syrian food. We're also talking to Jessica Bueller. She's the founder and executive director of Welcome Neighbor STL. And if you're curious about learning more about uh, that organization, we want to encourage you to check out their website. Um, We also have details about future Welcome Neighbor dinners on our website website. That's stlonair.show. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation. My guest today is Jessica Bueller, the founder and executive director of Welcome Neighbor STL, as well as Mauda Altayan, a Syrian refugee who was resettled in St. Louis in 2016 and has started a catering company, uh, thanks in part to her association with Welcome Neighbor STL. Now, another person who's benefited from Welcome Neighbor's dinners is Andisha Shaw. She's an Afghan who was resettled in St. Louis in 2014. And after being connected to Jessica Bueller on Facebook a few years ago, she got interested in cooking for Welcome Neighbors events. Members of the organization came to her house, she told us, to taste her cooking. They liked our food and they got, in a couple of weeks, they contacted me that uh, we got you your first uh, uh, event. Why don't you cook something for 100 people? And that's how we got started. We cooked Mantu. It's actually Afghan dumpling. Uh, and uh, 400 people and uh, custard for dessert. Uh, So we went, and it was really appreciative. People really liked it. Now, Andy Shaw moved to California last year to take care of her sister, but another sister remained in Afghanistan even as the Taliban took over. This sister worked for the former government and is a widowed parent of three. Andy contacted Jessica. Jessica helped me through a lot. I told her about my sister that she's been stuck in in Kabul in Afghanistan uh, with her three kids. She cannot go out. There is no man to help her. And we were were not able to fly out to Afghanistan. So that was the issue. And uh, she needed money because the banks were closed and, and her money, everything was in bank. Now, just days ago, Andy's sister was able to escape from Afghanistan. She's now in a hotel in Pakistan. She's trying to get to the U.S. And my understanding is that's in part thanks to Welcome Neighbor. Um, Jessica, Andy said you raised $9,000 to help with this situation. I can see you're getting tearful. This is one that's that's close to your heart. Yeah. So Andy started with us a couple years ago doing separate club events. And when we saw what was happening in Afghanistan, we reached out to her and, you know, said, well, what's going on? What can we do to help? I knew her sister was still there. And so 
immediately we jumped on the phone and uh, figured out a plan of what we needed to do. And we needed to raise $7,000 to get the visas processed immediately to get her out of the country from uh, Afghanistan to Pakistan. And so we were able to raise the money within 24 hours. We had raised uh, almost $7,000. Wow. And in 48 hours, we raised $9,700. So we sent all of the funds over to Andy and she was able to to get that over to her sister and I'm just so happy to hear that she has made it to Pakistan. This is I'm actually just hearing that for the first time right now. Oh wow. Oh no wonder you're having such a reaction. Well that I mean that is amazing. Um so this situation here there are so many Afghan refugees and people who are displaced and trying to get out of the country and I'm wondering how you see Welcome Neighbors role at this point as there's just this huge situation we're all trying to get our heads around. Yeah, so right now we have found out that 1,050 refugees are going to be coming into St. Louis over the next year. So our biggest challenge is going to be finding housing for this fo- for these folks. So right now what we're looking for are t- 283 bedroom apartments and 41 to two bedroom apartments. This is going to be the biggest challenge with affordable housing, um, especially without having um, with the extension of the moratorium of um, evictions. And so the prices of real estate have just gone through the roof. So now we're going to have a thousand new people coming in and we're going to be looking for units for uh, 300 different units. So if folks out there are listening and they want to do something to help, we are working right now on creating a new database with properties that are available that are refugee friendly. Hmm. And what that means is that there can be about a, uh, a few days notice to be able to get the people in and also to have a shorter lease time. So we're working on setting all of that up through our website now. I hope to have that up by the end of the week. Uh, we are working with some amazing real estate leaders in St. Louis. And we know that this is not going to be something that one organization can solve. This is going to be something that's going to be a citywide effort. So we want to open up this database online for anyone that has properties or knows of something that may be interested that they can sign the property up to let us know that this is available and that we can contact the landlord. So hopefully this can be a win-win situation that people that have vacancies can fill them up and that we can find places for these Afghan refugees when they come in. And so when people initially arrive, they're generally working with the International Institute on that. Is the International Institute open to the fact that you're kind of, you know, hey, we're going to build this whole thing and, and try to let you know about these apartments that are open? Yeah, so we are doing this together with the International Institute. Um, We had a meeting last Tuesday with many different political leaders in St. Louis and the International Institute. Other service providers were invited as well and to talk about how we're going to solve this together and to cast a wide net of inclusion. So uh, this is something that we're going to be meeting again about next week. And this is going to be something that's a collaborative effort of everyone in St. Louis. Mm. So this isn't something that I own the rights to or the International Institute owns the rights to. This is something that is uh, going to be an open source where anyone in St. Louis can put this information in. And hopefully we can solve this problem together. Mm. So Mauda, when you first came here, you were in that apartment complex on Hodemont. Mm. Um, that was obviously a, a tough time for your family. You're new to the country. As you think about Afghan refugees coming over here, um, what would you like people to, to keep in mind about what they're going through and, and what their situation so is? So when I arrived to Hatimant, um it was like a not good area. It was so bad area, so dangerous. Uh, the home, the house was terrible. Like the apartment was so dirty and there is 
there were so bags, so many bags. <laughs> so roaches everywhere. Yes, of course. <laughs> so plus mouses. Uh, <clears throat> so I like I ask, please, like, like don't like don't go like don't just bring the refugees to here like put them in good situation help them to learn english because the english is so important like like to have community to contact people to have uh, like job for many things so like like don't just leave them and uh, mm -hmm. like let them start their new life totally new life here and do you feel that the supper club and these kind of events this could maybe be a path for them in time yes. <laughs> not in their first week here but once they get settled in mm -hmm. um maybe bring in some afghan food <laughs> of course yeah it's it, it will be amazing like if we will make like like um uh, events like from international events like from Syria, Iraqi, Afghanistan, we will have amazing like food, of course. <laughs> And Jessica, so one of the sadnesses of this is these welcome neighbor supper clubs, the way you've described them, they sound like such camaraderie, everyone there talking to each other. COVID has made that impossible. You've had to move to a drive-through model. Does that kind of take away one of the elements that, that made this so special? It does take away one of the elements, but also at the same time, it's transformed the events and so that we've connected with people in a different way. Because we're doing our drive-through events, we're selling 100 to 150 50 tickets for every single event. Hmm. When we did our supper clubs before, we might have done 60 tickets or 80 tickets. And if we did 100, I mean, that was that would have been incredible. But now with our drive-through events, we're doing at least 100 meals at every single event. And in addition to that, we also make food for folks that are experiencing homelessness and to provide those to people that are living out on the streets. And one of the things that I think is so important to bring up is that when we help refugees, a lot of times people People say, why are you helping refugees? Why aren't you helping veterans? Or why aren't you helping the homeless? And I think that that really is just a, a false comparison because mm -hmm. if you do any kind of a fundraiser or you were to do something where you're going to help um, the a childhood obesity or help childhood diabetes, nobody says, why did you help childhood di uh, diabetes and not obesity? It's yeah. really a false comparison. And so I think one of the things that we're doing is changing that narrative and that it's not about just giving people a hand out. It's about giving them a hand up. And one of the things that I focus on and is a mantra of our family is leave the ladder down. And that when you become successful, you leave the ladder of opportunity down for as many people to follow up behind you. You don't stand on the top of the mountain and say, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. But instead, you use that time and the energy to leave the ladder down to bring up as many people as you can so that they can become successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that this model of what we have done with helping refugees, helping them starting catering companies and then giving back to people in need living here in St. Louis, wouldn't that be an amazing model for all nonprofits to to follow? I think that we're really on to something here and I'm excited to see what we do with this next group of incoming refugees of how we can give back to help St. Louis even in a greater capacity. So speaking of that new group that's coming here, and as you say, that's going to be more than a thousand coming here. When we talk to Andy Shaw, who um, is uh, an Afghan refugee herself who came here years ago, um, she wanted us to know this about what Afghans in the U.S. are feeling today. I hear a lot of people saying some stuff that we feel you, we understand you. Uh, I don't think that everyone can understand us because we live that uh, Taliban regime first. Some people are even saying that, don't worry, everything will be fine. Uh, 
I just want them to know that how can you even say, don't worry, it's, it will be fine. While every day someone is dying, every day there is war, every day lives are in danger. And that, again, is Andy Shaw. Such a tough situation. And, and Mauda, I imagine it was like that for you, too, when you left Syria. It's hard not to just think about what friends and family back there are going through, even as you start a new life here. Yes, yes. It's so bad, like, to think only about you because we are leaving a family, a whole family. So it's 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 not a good feeling, you know, uh, when you left, left uh, your family, your whole family in dangerous dangerous place and you cannot do anything just waiting for a call to make sure that they still alive or they still you know so i i i feel with them i feel with anyone like with with afghanistan people with any Mm -hmm. refugees situation so for the refugees coming here, such a tough situation, but how good to know that Welcome Neighbor STL is here and how amazing to hear about the growth of this organization. Jessica, in our final minute here, I, I guess I have to say I'm absolutely stunned that this organization has grown as big as it has. You still have a day job. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is this is a lot of work here. If people want to help this organization beyond participating in the dinners, which we certainly want to encourage, we have all those details at stlonair.show. There's supper clubs going on. On September 12th and September 25th, we encourage people to uh, do these drive-through events. Is there another way we could also help this organization? Absolutely. If people want to get involved, there are so many different ways that we haven't even discussed today. Please go to our website, welcomeneighborstl.com. There is a form on there to sign up to be a volunteer, and there are many different ways that folks can get involved. Also, if your church, your community, your synagogue, any your school would like to get involved in doing something, we're also collecting uh, used but working laptops, Mm. used but working cell phones, and also we're collecting gift cards for grocery stores to buy food because there is a lapse between when the Afghan refugees come in and when the food stamps uh, start to apply. So in that meantime, we are collecting uh, food cards for Schnucks uh, and for uh, Aldi, for Sam's Club, and also Restaurant Depot. So uh, if anyone's interested in getting involved, please reach out to us, welcomeneighborstl.com. Well, Jessica Bueller, thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing about this work. Thank you so much. Jessica, again, is the founder and executive director of Welcome Neighbor STL. And we also want to thank Mauda Altayan for joining us today. And the best of luck to you. One last thing we want to say is to teach everybody some Arabic is that Mauda, the way you say sister, Mauda is my sister, Okti. This is is my Okti. I love it. Okti. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) Thank you so much. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.